0: The following episode contains some bad words like fuck and shit. So throw a child into a chocolate river and please listen responsibly.
1: because it's time for Beer Me a Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where me and Brian go back and forth, week after week, surprising each other with what we're going to watch next, and also trying to survive just the general day-to-day of being in an office building in Bogota, Colombia, as you <laughs> want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it seems like it could be a challenge occasionally. It shouldn't have to be a challenge. It's just an office building that's just... right. Doing business without boundaries or whatever the sign says in Bogota, (laughs) Colombia. In the middle of nowhere in Bogota, Colombia. Right. But it's a challenge. You got to do office work and survive (laughs) the work day. Uh, In the happiest office until it's not. Until it's very much not. And we will get there. Because this week, it's an audience pick. And it comes right from Donnie. He was very, very, very much in his element. Super
0: in his element.
1: Because we are talking about the Belko Experiment from March 17th, 2017, directed by Greg McLean and written by James fucking
0: Gunn. James fucking Gunn. I mean, and you could tell because Sean Gunn, Michael Rooker, all the, the usual suspects are present.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say that you could tell because this might as well be a prequel to The Suicide Squad.
0: Could be that. It could also be a, a sequel to Super.
1: It could be. We'll get to all this stuff here. You ever seen this thing before? Um, no,
0: I thought I had. I had not.
1: I'm in the same boat. Like, I feel like I remember the office stuff at the beginning, but then I don't remember anything after it. And my thought is, maybe I'll like, turn this thing on late night, like on Roku or something like that, and it just passed out. It's possible. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting.
0: I think I watched <laughs> one a, of different, those? a different movie uh, on Netflix that takes place in an office where a bunch of people have to kill each other.
1: That could also happen. That seems to uh, be a, a theme of uh, film in general. Apparently, right? that's a thing that keeps getting made. Apparently. You want to get right into this thing? This one uh, kicked all the asses. Like, every ass that has ever existed, it punted it. Like, a good 60-yard coffin corner, pinned <laughs> down in the five, kicked ass.
0: Yeah, 79 out of 80 asses were kicked to the point of no return.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh god! i I watched this last night, and I'm like fired the fuck up still it's a it's a lot. It really is. And it just keeps escalating and escalating, and escalating until uh, it escalates until it can't anymore.
0: there's no point I'm exhausted. yeah. yeah. so why don't we just get into it?: Sure. The first category of our our 10 category rating system is story motivation, and for that, we read the plot right off of Wikipedia. Mike Milch played by John fucking Gallagher Jr. I don't know this guy from anything else, but he earned the fucking. I know him from the newsroom,
1: and he's unbelievable in the newsroom, and I don't know why I don't know him from anything else
0: outside of that. This guy should be doing way more work. He really should. He's a great actor. He's phenomenal. In this, he's an employee of Balco Industries, and while driving to work, he's stopped by street vendors selling lucky handmade dolls. Someone like just gnawed
1: the corn off of something and slapped googly eyes on it and said, this is for luck, and he goes ah, no, and that's the movie. At that point, then, you know everybody's uh, fucked around him at
0: this point. Exactly. <laughs> so, no, I don't. I don't want your chewed corn doll. And then he shows up to work <laughs> with it, so as like a gift to his girlfriend slash. I don't know what she might be. Not I important. Have no idea. Oh, it's
1: extremely important. But we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: Barry Norris, played by Tony fucking Goldwyn, also oh, God of man Belco Industries. He's
1: so so good.
0: This guy looks like a COO and also somebody who might murder you if you get, if he gets a chance.
1: Absolutely. He does. He, he covers both bases. but what good COO doesn't look a little murdery every
0: now and then. That's true. You, I mean, can't very well run a business if you're not willing to break some necks and cash some checks.
1: That's exactly it. That murder cream rises to the top, man.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Let me see
1: those spreadsheets while I snap your neck,
0: brother. So Barry Norris arrives at the office building in Bogota, Colombia, to find an unfamiliar security guard turning away the local Colombian staff at the gate. Suspicious. It is suspicious. and We find out
1: through the heaviest exposition dump that you can imagine that what Belco Industries does is it hires Americans for American companies overseas. Exactly. And for some reason, it's in the middle of nowhere in Bogota, Colombia.
0: For reasons we'll probably find out soon. Yes. New employee Danny Wilkins, played by Melanie Diaz, reports for her first day at the job and is told that a tracking device is implanted in the base of every Belco employee's skull in case something happens to them. Not a red flag. Not even a little bit. It's uh, at least a yellow flag
1: that has (laughs) hints of red (laughs) in the right lighting. It's it's like, yeah, in case you go missing Bogdan's Dangerous City. Fine.
0: Exactly. Here's your orientation package and here's the thing we have to put in the back of your skull. We're not gonna drug test you, don't worry, but we do need to put something in the base of your skull. Yeah. It's a necessity for your employment. You're <laughs> yep. Cool with that? <laughs> Evan Smith, played by James fucking Earl, not Jones. Different different James Earl. Sure. Stops right after the Earl. Yep, a hard stop. He's Belco's head security guard and he does not know who the new security guards are. They just showed up. Sure. Once all the employees show up for the day, a voice on the intercom instructs them to kill two of their coworkers or else there will be consequences. That's not what you want to hear on the intercom. Like, ever. Generally speaking, if you don't even know your business has an intercom and the first thing you ever hear come out of it is like, hey, you got to kill (laughs) two of your coworkers. Not going to be a great day. And I like how that question, like, Is that for real? People, like, want to keep working,
1: doing whatever it is that they do, which I'm not totally sure what it is, but this is, like, the happiest
0: office I've ever seen in my life. And that's how you know it's unrealistic. All these people are just, like, super stoked to be at work. They Even though there's, like, security guards outside with mirrors looking underneath their cars. They're just like, I don't care. I'm at work now. I'm happy.
1: I don't know what that's about. Like, I've worked in an office before, and, uh, I mean, if they made this announcement, it would have been really easy for me to pick two out. I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think there are immediate candidates in mind. (laughs) Without a doubt.
1: There's like a very specific hierarchy of leadership between like the CEO, COO, CFO, but then like you go the other side of it of like, if you got to kill two. If you got to do two. We all know who those two are. (laughs)
0: I'm going to tread very carefully here because I do believe that occasionally my boss listens to the show. So, oh jeez,
1: Brian doesn't work in an office. He works remotely. You should worry about him if an intercom says he needs to kill an employee,
0: and he's like, "Well, that would damn be it. that would be pretty unfortunate in my instance. <laughs> it it's, would uh, be. You have to kill one employee, or you're gonna die." Well, oh man, doesn't sound like I have an option here. It's, <laughs> it's just me, like
1: breaking mirrors around your apartment or whatever. It's like they're never gonna see me, man.
0: They're never gonna see me. I always wondered why they had to put this thing in the back of my neck when I started there.
1: <laughs> oh, you're really good at Photoshop? Are you really good at having things in your neck?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I never have. Let's try it out. <laughs> I love that only one guy goes to check on like the room that has the intercom. He's like, oh, no, there's nobody here making the announcement. That's weird. Let me Was just that Mike about my Milch day.
1: also? Because Mike Milch seems to be the only rational person who works here.
0: Uh, no, I believe it was Vince... Agostino, who is one of the characters in this movie, because there are eighty full, characters in this movie. There's a it's full, a full office. office worth of characters,
1: so it's not worth listing everybody off. Just
0: uh, no. Just assume none of them are going to be around for all that long. Done. Right. Don't get attached to anyone. <laughs> exactly. Several of the staff attempt to flee the building, but then steel shutters seal off the walls and doors, locking everybody in. And the windows. And the windows. Walls, doors, and windows.
1: Yeah, it takes forever for those things to go up around the building, and I like the tension that's building as it's going up, because you see it going up on the outside, the characters are on a higher floor, they're kind of debating, like, oh, there's nothing going on, there's nothing going on. It's like, you know those are coming.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't see how you couldn't hear them, though. They did hear them. They have no clue what it was, though. Okay, that's fair. They ignore the announcement at first, believing it to be a sick prank. We got a problem, Brian. What's that? Uh, every
1: bit of me... Wants to pull a resurrection? Like, every bit of me wants to pull a resurrection.
0: A resurrection?
1: Yeah. Because we are talking about a, a building that was constructed in a very specific way. Fuck it. Resurrected. What do you think Bob Vila would have done had he gotten <laughs> the plans to do this, to pull this off? This I know we're bringing back this? a joke from the Kate podcasters, but I can't, I can't leave Bob Vila in the dust, man. I can't do it. I don't know how to quit
0: him. He's a saint and he, he deserves really, to be brought back. He really
1: is. And I guarantee after the Belco people like slid the the plan to him across the table, he got like a half chub, knowing that he's creating a murder
0: palace or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've done office buildings before, but this, this is special. So, what
1: kind of plan do you want? Do you want an open floor plan to kind of let the creative juices slow? We'll do like the three quarter cubicles that don't actually block out any sound, as we're going to learn later. Or do you want just like comp oh you want murder? Norm, can you leave? Murder. Yeah, I could do that.
0: Yeah, I could do that. (laughs) Norm's too pure. We can't we can't let him know. We can't
1: do that to Norm.
0: He'll paint the place or
1: whatever it is Norm does. But we don't want him in on this meeting.
0: (laughs) So you're saying you want steel walls that go out on the exterior to trap people inside. Got it. Yeah, that's easy to do. Fine. This week on This Old Murder Office. (laughs) You know, I've been really
1: wanting to do this ever since I read Devil in the White City.
0: This is perfect! Now, the trick here is going to be to run all of your wiring into the hangar outside the office. And you could
1: do that by setting up a a quarter-inch PVC pipe nice and easily underneath your ground area. It's going to keep it fresh uh, for the fiber optics and also keep it from decaying in the harsh... Weathers of Bogota, Colombia.
0: <laughs> that way, you know, when you flip that switch, you're guaranteed to kill your employee.
1: <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> you got the Vila guarantee for death.
0: Call now and we'll throw in some OxyClean so you can clean up that building and <laughs> start new.
1: They bring in Vince himself <laughs> with sham wows, just mopping up the floors. Can I go home yet?
0: Isn't his name, like, Vince Offer? Like, his last name is Offer. Oh, yeah? He
1: was built for this. He was built built for for slinging goods. (laughs) He would, like, fit in really well had he not been canceled on, like, the new Twitter. Because I feel like every ad I see on the new Twitter, and it's, like, every fifth thing down, is, like, an ad seen on TV bullshit or whatever it is. Of, like, oh, this is a glove with a light on it.
0: Twitter was built for
1: (laughs) the pitchman
0: Offer. (laughs) Oh, dear. Offer also works in this movie, and that you're offing people. That's a stretch, yes, but uh, why not? Why not? After the set time ends and the two have not been killed, four employees die when explosives hidden in their trackers detonate and blow their heads apart. It is jarring. Uh, yeah, it is sudden, abrupt, and uh, yeah, jarring. Definitely jarring.
1: Well, they think that there's like a shooter. That was my first thought of like, there's a sniper who's just picking him off. Right. And then for some reason, they do some sort of autopsy on the body with like a pen.
0: Oh, yeah. Just Barry. moving
1: bits of skull around. And he's like, that came from the inside.
0: The COO is also, little do we know, <laughs> a mortician. <laughs> yeah, little do we know, yeah. And he comes over, performs a full autopsy with a ballpoint. As you do. Mike attempts to remove his tracker with a box cutter, but gives up when the voice threatens to detonate his tracker explosive unless he stops. How deep into your skull is this tracker? I don't know, but I feel like as soon as you take a razor blade to the back of your own head, you're done for the movie.
1: You have to be done for the movie.
0: I can't imagine that you have the precision to not fuck anything up royally.
1: (laughs) I would think. I mean, I'm kind of thinking of it like, caddyshack style but boomer is just like yeah hey, why don't you do you take a, a blade and you cut his achilles tangs we slicing all day i feel like if you're like going to the back of someone's skull you're gonna fuck something up they're gonna be like not seeing
0: right like the rest something of forever terrible is gonna happen maybe he did lose his sight and then he got you know the extra sensory perceptions that's why he's going around just like okay i got it. i know where everyone is now we're good <laughs> Just going down hallways. <laughs> Echo locating. I can see him like clapping his
1: hands just like <claps> lights turning on, turning off because uh, <laughs> Billy Mays got a good deal on the
0: clapper. Uh, Billy Mays, Bob Vila. Oh, God, I confused him for real that time. <laughs> that was a complete accident. So the group is told that unless 30 of them are dead within two hours, 60 of them will be killed.
1: The stakes just went through the roof.
0: So they split into two factions, one led by Mike, who believes that there should be no killing, and one led by Barry, who intends to follow the directions in order to save himself. I like how you say two factions, because so far I think we have like
1: 76 people left, I think. Yeah, that's, Whatever that's it might the right be. math. One group has about four people, and yeah. the other group has about 72 people. <laughs>
0: But then you also have the janitors downstairs you, and you have, yeah, you you have do, the but, guys smoking weed on the roof.
1: Oh, that's that's true. I kind of just lump it into the good guys and the bad guys at that Yeah, point. that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Barry and his group, the bad guys, <laughs> his group consists of Wendell Dukes played by John C. McFucking Ginley. Dr. Cox is here. I can't even tell you how happy I was. When, when you see him, you know a group he's going to be in right away. You do, which is surprising because the last time I saw him in an office setting, he was just one of the bobs and he was friendly as can be. <laughs> right.
1: That would be an interesting twist for office space. And also, we know the two in that office and office space. Who would yeah. be the first to
0: go? We do. We do know. <laughs> Milton would go fucking
1: hey, I'm in that office.
0: Milton would be murdering people left
1: and Right. They wouldn't even say go yet, and he would get started. Like, he wouldn't even be, be totally sure about the you rules. You need quest. to kill yes. two
0: people. Done. <laughs> I did it. I murdered two.
1: The voice from, like, above just goes, whoa, hold on there, Milton. Let me finish saying, Milton, Mil- do not staple his head, Milton. <laughs> All right, everybody, Milton wins. This is
0: getting out of hand. <laughs> this isn't even fun for us anymore. Milton's just... <laughs> Wrecking house. <laughs> we're not learning anything. Nothing at all. Other people in Barry's group are uh, Terry, Antonio, and Bradley, and they attempt to burn the lock off the armory in order to gain access to his weapons. Because you know, every office has an armory.
1: Exactly. And the way that they put it is that, like, we're in Bogota, Colombia. In case there's some sort of government uprising, we need to have an armory in order to for the security guards to protect the building. That's why they also possibly have these shutters to protect the building. Right, but the two janitor people—they tried to burn a hole in the side of the, like the steel that's over the windows. Yeah, and there's like that didn't do anything. It didn't even heat up. What kind of steel is this? MacGuffin steel. I don't
0: know. Unobtainium. There it is. (laughs) Mike and his group, including his girlfriend Leandra Flores, played by Adria Fucking Arjona, who's back from Morbius.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it either.
0: Also, Evan and employees Keith, Leota, Peggy, Vince, and Roberto. He's got a whole group here. He sure does. And they try to hang banners from the roof as a call for help, but the guards outside start shooting at them. Not great. Also, these guards, terrible aim for being guards. Awful aim. They do hit the one guy in the hand. They hit Josh Brenner in the hand. He's not just one guy. It's Josh fucking Brenner. It is Josh fucking Brenner, and I was surprised to see him here. He's a treat all the time. He's so much fun. He is. Whenever he pops up, I'm like, there he is, that guy. (laughs) You get so excited. I know he's not going to be on the bad guy team. He's a lot like, we got like real excited back in the day for like TJ
1: Miller whenever he popped up and stuff for being just like the fun guy. And now TJ Miller is a gross human being. So now we're like, give us Josh Brenner. Secretly, he
0: always was. That's a good point. And- Honestly, we should have known. It's not like he was hiding it very well. The signs were all there, man. <laughs> but all it there. Like, it seemed like they were all good characters. Like, oh, this guy's really good at playing an asshole. No, he's an asshole. Yeah, it wasn't an act. He's not yeah. that good of an actor, apparently. I feel like we all recently found out similar things about Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, we, we're still <laughs> discovering that one, unfortunately. Oh, can't wait for Quantum Mania. Yeah, it's going to be great. Barry, Wendell, and Terry ambush the group in the stairway, kill Evan, and take his keys to the armory. That's the easy way to open doors. Yeah, take the keys. Especially after Mike shoots the gas tank that you're using for your blowtorch. It's a great shot. That is
1: impractical for this man to
0: land. He's a way better shot than the soldiers outside. Yep. With his group now armed, Barry and Wendell select 30 people, including Mike and Peggy, forcing them to kneel in a line. What a
1: brutal scene.
0: Absolutely. It's like anybody with kids under 18, go to this side of the room. All right. Anybody over 60, this side of the room at that point, you know, which side is getting what
1: you absolutely do. And then I think it's Wendell goes like, you got seven. He goes, ah, damn it. And then he just starts walking through just saying you, you, you take her,
0: take him. And he, he loves that moment. When he gets to Mike, he's like this guy, get him the fuck over there. But he, like, kind of milks it for all it's worth. Like, for some reason, there's a bit of tension there
1: of, like, really, it's like, of course like, he is. is he? <laughs> not of course gonna he's going to do it.
0: <laughs> this is like the main guy opposing him. Of course he's going to kill
1: Mike. And I think the craziest part about it is that Barry says, turn up the music, and he's the one who's going to do it himself. Yeah. And he does just start straight up executing people. And it's a lot of people before
0: the scene finally dies takes its turn yeah but
1: man does it build
0: up he's just killing him executioner style back of the head while california dreamin is playing in spanish
1: it is a tough scene to watch
0: it's a lot yeah danny the new girl who's been hiding in the basement and you know witnessed david fucking dasmalkin Des- murdering michael fucking rooker with a giant wrench <laughs> he hits Michael Rooker in the head.
1: It leaves a giant dent in Michael Huge Rooker's dent. ball of the head and he just like slowly dies. Amazing. No notes. None. None at all. And then Davis Des Malkian gets it too because Danny like accidentally pushes him into a spike that's off the wall for whatever
0: reason. Sometimes you gotta leave spikes in in your basement. So just in case you need to do some, some light murdering.
1: Hey, hey Bob. It's Norm. <laughs> <laughs> You let me put one spike in the basement. Um, I got a good feeling about it. <laughs> I, I put it at head level. Uh, hey, good, hey, good, good job there, Norm. We'll keep you on for another 30 years till you die. <laughs> <laughs> Real proud of you. I know this one's been out of your element. How cool is it going to be when Norm finally gets too old to do the show and then Bob Vila goes, good news! I got my surgeon's license. Now we're going to do this old Norm and he starts like doing like bicentennial man like surgeries on Norm to keep we him going for forever.
0: Him. <laughs> That's the twist I didn't know I needed until now. 100%, this old Norm. Just one one organ at a time. We will rebuild him. He slices him
1: open. He's pulling out different organs and stuff and he goes, "Ah,
0: Norm, you said that you quit drinking, but this liver says you didn't." What we're going to want to do here is reinforce the interior of the lungs so when Norm breathes, they don't collapse anymore.
1: Now, you see, lungs are supposed to be a nice pinkish hue. Uh, Norm, we're going to have to give him a little zhuzh and sparkle, and we're going to actually make them a nice turquoise so that they reflect the light properly
0: in his lungs. All new fixtures here in the sternum area. (laughs) And
1: just to make sure that we're able to to figure out what's going on in Norm without having to constantly cut him open, we're going to install a nice window here, a, a north facing <laughs> window. It's a bay window, so that window, the light can so. get in all <laughs> properly in the morning.
0: I would definitely watch this old Norm. <laughs> Absolutely. <would. laughs>
1: We're also going to instore a nice little window down by his tummy and make his tummy transparent so we could treat it like a
0: creepy crawler set from back in the day and see <laughs> what's actually churning in there. Norm, you said you didn't take my last fry, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, Danny, she's been in the basement. She comes up. She sees what's happening with, you know, her boss executing people in the foyer. So she runs back downstairs, shuts off the building's lights before Mike gets shot, and then all of the employees immediately run for cover as Barry and his group start firing and killing several more people. They go on the hunt. Yeah. It's like, all right, you're not going to let us do it this way. We're just going to find whoever we can and kill them. Yep. No rules anymore. Like, there were rules to start. Continuation <laughs> of no rules. Less, f- even fewer rules than there
1: were. Quick question for you, Mike. Do you like blooming Onions? Good, me too. Because we're treating this like the Outback. No rules. Just right. Just right. This is supposed to be a restaurant slogan. <laughs> How does that make any sense? sounds like fucking Kumite
0: from Blood know, Sport. Surprising lack of product placement in this movie for some reason. It's just in an office. What else are <laughs> they going to do? So, Hey, we need to we need to get some swing lines in here. Swing line paid a lot of money, so so that they can have their their logo throughout this movie, where people are murdering each other with office equipment.
1: That would be a very good flex buy an office equipment company that wants to become more hardcore.
0: Yeah, like that seems like a good move for like Alienware or Compaq. Bring it oh, back. Yeah.
1: That could be like their re-entry back in. They're just like, are you sick of those pussy-ass shits like IBM and Dell? Get a compact; It'll suck your dick.
0: <laughs> I just wanted one person to lift a monitor over their head, looking at somebody laying in the ground in front of them and go, dude, you're getting a Dell, and then smash them in the head with it. <laughs> that would be the best bit product placement ever. <laughs> I'm not asking for much. No, this seems like a layup, really. Yeah, and it'll help with your $5 million budget. It absolutely would. Bradley and Antonio, who are two of the bad guys, get ganged up upon and killed by the employees. During all of this, Danny goes into the elevator shaft with Roberto.
1: They, like, hide on the top of the elevator, and nothing ever goes wrong whenever that happens. No, I haven't even seen Mission Impossible. I've never seen Die Hard. Neither I, of those is true, by the way. I've absolutely <laughs> seen Die Hard, a metric fuckton, and Mission Impossible. I feel like I need to put the brakes on it. We got a lot of Cole Hauser hate, by the way.
0: We, we sure did. We said about, and, um, <laughs> about
1: Good Will Hunting.
0: I'm standing by it, because if, if you list four movies that a man's in, and one of them is too fast, too furious, I'm not a fan of the man's resume. <laughs> I'm not either. Like, in, the fact is that you were able to list four things
1: between 1997 and the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> it means you do not have my attention.
0: Yeah. I'm going to stand by the fact the man is not getting as much work as everybody else in that movie. Agreed. <laughs> and that was the statement. And it is not incorrect. Right. I've not been proven wrong
1: yet. And to the people who bashed us about the Cole Hauser thing, how do you like them apples?
0: Yeah, you, did, you said, the thing from the, I said the thing from the movie.
1: I said the thing.
0: Barry and Wendell. Hunt down the fleeing employees as the voice informs them that only twenty-nine have been killed. Give them a fucking break, voice. Right? Come on, voice. Why? Why gotta be that way? But also, I get it. Like you're one shy. Just do the other That's one. A, do well, the one more. Honestly, anybody, first person you see, kill one person. I can't imagine that even like the employees who didn't want to kill anybody wouldn't be like, we should probably kill one more so thirty of us don't die.
1: You probably should.
0: And yet. The two-hour limit <laughs> runs out, and the voice, NBC's The Voice, says that 31 more people will die. And, of course, they that includes Terry, Leota, Peggy, Keith, uh, you know, people in the movie. It's just heads exploding everywhere. And it keeps going, and you're like, oh, good. Oh, good. Josh Brenner's safe. And then his head is the last one to explode. It is the last one to
1: explode. He says, oh, good. It stopped. Because despite there being 80 people in this movie, you do get to recognize faces enough. They make them- yeah like the look of everyone unique enough that you can kind of understand a, a good chunk of the people there.
0: Yeah. It feels very office too.
1: It does feel very office But as people are going, you're actually a little curious of who's going to survive, even though we obviously know who's going to survive.
0: I had a theory running this entire movie that Danny was going to survive because I thought she didn't actually go and get the thing implanted.
1: We'll get there.
0: We will get there briefly. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. There's only 16 survivors now, and everybody is informed by the voice that as a final task, the employee who has killed the most people within an hour will be spared. And I like how he gives
1: like the running tally, and Ugh. the COO Barry's like at 11. The next closest is a seven. And John then, C.
0: McGinley is seven. Yep.
1: Once again, all hell breaks loose,
0: and everybody's just killing everybody to move up the leaderboard in hopes of surviving. I like that Danny and Roberto are in the elevator shaft, and they say, and Danny has one kill, because she killed David Desmalkian. Yep. And Roberto just, like, kind of slowly moves away from her. It's a
1: great touch.
0: It's so good. Wikipedia says that Barry finds them in the elevator shaft. He doesn't. He gets in the elevator. He gets in the elevator and pushes a button,
1: and then Roberto says, oh, no, he works on the top floor. Way too loudly for being in hiding (laughs) on top of this elevator. Yeah. To which Barry, like, fires the gun upward, and then he's like, I don't know why I wasted that, but He's about to get smushed.
0: Exactly. And Danny gets off in, in, into the elevator shaft, but Roberto gets crushed and killed in the elevator shaft. But that gets Barry stuck in the elevator for a little while. It does.
1: And does that count as a Barry kill? I think it does. I think I it think should. Does,
0: yeah, it does count as a Barry kill. Okay. But while Barry is stuck in the elevator, uh, Dr. Cox is going around killing a ton of people.
1: He is. It's like that episode where he gave everybody leprosy or whatever using, <laughs> was it Jill's organs? Passing them around, then he goes into a deep depression, except this time, there ain't no depression.
0: No, he's having the time of his life murdering these people.
1: He found a bathroom with, obviously, one door. It's bathroom. And, man, that's the best possible scenario for him. And oh, he's just yeah. slicing and dicing. It's like fucking Vince Offer with a slap
0: chop in there. He's having a great time. Right? I like that he had, like, his his meat cleaver earlier, and then he found, like, an axe. And he has a gun, but he's like, I'm going back to the axe for a little bit just to make it fun for me.
1: He had a good time.
0: Leandra finds two employees. Marty, played by Sean fucking Gunn, who's been here the (laughs) whole time, high as hell, dumping out water because it's like, it's psychotropic, man. It's in the water, man. I'm saving your life. And uh, Chet, who's another guy. And they are collecting the unexploded trackers from the heads of people who have died by other methods. And they tell her that they're planning to use them to blow up the wall, which sounds like a good idea. So the three of them team up.
1: Very briefly.
0: Marty and Chet both get killed by Wendell.
1: Yeah, very, very quickly after that. But it is a good
0: plan. And Leander's like, no, that's a good plan, man. That's yeah, a good that's, plan. That's I, not bad. If it were a stupid plan, I'd tell you a stupid plan. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. We're gonna. You know what? It's worth trying. We have bombs, we have fire, we could do this. We absolutely could. But they get killed by Wendell, and now Leandra, who has a little bit of history with Wendell, because he's, you know, Dr. Cox is the creepy guy in the office, he keeps hitting on her, and she's not here for it.
1: No, he says something along the lines of like, listen, you're sending a lot of mixed signals, I've seen the looks, I've been returning the looks, and she's like, you're a fucking pervert,
0: man. Yeah, and he's like, don't call me a pervert. And then she gets to kill him. So, you know, that's that's fun. <laughs> so fucking violently. <laughs> she pins him under
1: a table and then takes an axe and just lumberjacks his face repeatedly.
0: Right to the face. And you see it so many times. Unbelievable. Also, he was one of the Bobs, not Lumberg. Correct. You said one of the Bobs. <laughs> yeah. No, but you just said Lumber. It reminded me of Lumberg.
1: So moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to need you to not
0: try to make any more office space jokes. That'd be great. That'd be great. Leandra kills Wendell, leaving the final six survivors. Vince, Mike, Barry, Danny, Leandra, and cafeteria lady Lizel, who was killed shortly afterwards. Sure. Barry shoots Vince and Danny, and that's when my theory that Danny was going to survive went out the window. How great
1: was that though? Because she does like a badass thing where she like drops down from the elevator. She's like, "Hell yeah!" And then yeah, doors open she shimmies up across. right in the fucking dome.
0: Instantly, just like the elevator door opens, bam! Right in the forehead. Done. And I was like, "Oh, I thought she probably didn't have a tracker and was going to be an extra survivor, like a she was like an the inside man." To figure in the it lab. out. Yeah. Yeah. But he kills them and also shoots Leandra, and with Leandra's dying breath she proclaims her love to Mike. And that makes Mike so mad. (laughs) It does! Mike, who the entire movie has been the guy like, we can't kill anybody, we can't give in to this guy, we gotta find a different way. Uh, Well, he, in a rage, has a brutal fight with Barry, in which Barry gets the better of him at first, but then Mike fends Barry off using a tape dispenser, and then eventually bludgeons Barry to death with said tape dispenser.
1: In front of, like, a PowerPoint presentation, which is just so appropriate.
0: It's so good. It's like the orientation video for Belco Industries. It's like, our 40 locations, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's a good touch. Sure is. Still wish it could have been a Dell.
1: Missed opportunity again, man. It's uh, There's so many chances here that they just did not take.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a tape dispenser, you use a tape dispenser. I liked it when Leandro was walking around with the part of the uh, the paper cutter. Oh, yeah her Mineral machete. Good stuff. The building is then unsealed and Mike is the last survivor and the soldiers escort him to the hangar next door. And there, he meets the owner of The Voice, Greg fucking Henry. Yep! Who says they're part of an international organization studying human behavior.
1: And I love this scene so much because it sits him down and Mike wants to ask questions about what just happened and he says, no, no, no. We're here to ask you the questions. So on a scale of like 1 to 10, how did this
0: experience make
1: you feel? And he's
0: like
1: <laughs> earnestly trying to get an answer out of yeah. him. What emotion are survey. you
0: experiencing right now? Sadness, anger, confusion, anger, confusion? <laughs> As he and his colleagues question Mike about his emotional and mental state. Mike notices a panel of switches that correspond to the 80 employees. Having secretly planted the trackers that Marty collected on the soldiers and the voice, he flips every remaining active switch except his own. The trackers explode, killing the soldiers and wounding the voice before Mike grabs a gun and kills the remaining scientists. Yeah, Mike goes ham on everybody. He goes, all of a sudden, this guy that didn't want to kill anybody is like, well, these guys, they have it coming. They gotta go, man. It feels like even after he answers the questions, there's no way he's walking out of there. So I get it. It's the right move. The voice attempts to reason with Mike and appeal to his moral beliefs, but Mike just shoots him in the head. Yep. He then leaves the warehouse in a state of shock.
1: It's like a state of shock and a state of, like, euphoria almost. Because he, like,
0: gets on his knees, he Shawshanks up to the sky. He totally Shawshanks. It becomes apparent that Mike is one of many sole survivors from similar experiments being watched by another group through security cameras. A new voice states, end stage one, commence stage two. What
1: a cool ending.
0: Oh, so good.
1: It's like we knew how it was going to end, but then it does the twisty and like, man, it, it
0: ramps it uh, up we a little that. bit. And it's like just wait for Belko Experiment 2. This movie
1: is it fucks so hard.
0: Oh, this movie fucks.
1: For sure. <laughs>
0: it really does. It, it both fucks and fucks you up. It does.
1: And I think it falls under one of those like, is it a good movie? Meh. Is it a great movie? Oh, fuck, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good t- it's really and this is like not my genre of choice at all. No, but it holds your attention and does not let go.
1: I completely agree. I think I want to go with like a five for story motivation. Like, there's not really a whole lot of story. No, there's and none. there's
0: and it's predictable. There is motivation. It is very there's predictable. Lots of lots of motivation, and it's mostly survive. Yeah, it it doesn't mean it doesn't rule. Yeah, oh yeah, it's 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 good. I think a five is probably appropriate. That brings us to our next category: casting.
1: There's so many people in this movie.
0: It's all James Gunn's friends for the most part. It is. Part. It's, They're all back. I love that Michael Rooker got to choose his own death. That's fun.
1: It is a, a blast, man. I really like the casting in this.
0: It feels like an office. Like, everybody in here, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the guy in the office that does the thing. And that's, oh, this is the guy that is excited to be there every morning. And it feels real. I'm willing
1: to go, like, seven. Yeah. Like, a, a, a dirty seven. Also, I like it feels I think- too high.
0: I think the casting of John Gallagher Jr. is inspired.
1: Oh, he's terrific, man. He's
0: so good. I mean, he's ideal for this role, too.
1: Watch him in the newsroom. He's even better there.
0: Yeah, I'm very curious now. I want to find more of this guy. Let's give this a seven for casting and move on to protagonist, which is Mike, the aforementioned John Gallagher Jr. He's a pacifist? Yes. He is being mostly rational until he's not. Right. There's a couple of times where, where he does some things that you're like, uh, I don't know if I would have done that, Mike, like when he tries to pull the tracker out of his head. Or yeah. After he's warned, the next person to try to hang a sign will get murdered and he tries to hang another sign. He tries to sacrifice himself for that. And it
1: yeah, he has like a couple moments where he does this thing where he just starts doing something and people are saying like, Mike, 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 Mike. And he's right. not
0: responding. It happens a lot. It does. He's a man with a with his own mission. Six. No, five. Five. Yeah. It feels low.
1: Yeah, but also it's super predictable. <laughs> like,
0: that's true. You you know you where know, this is going the as way soon it's set as he up. he shows up and doesn't want to buy the corn thing, you're like, all right, this is our main character. He's going to survive to the end.
1: Yeah, there's not a whole lot of surprise. Like, it would have been a really cool if someone else survived for whatever, if they like had built up character elsewhere. Like Danny. Like and and if Danny. And make it a surprise. Had, yeah.
0: Let's talk about the antagonist, the voice, the voice. He's very good. But also uh, Barry. You kind of have to lump them together for sure. Barry's very good. Immediately just buys into the voice and says, we got to do this thing.
1: Yeah, Barry is really good. The voice is really good. I think Tony Goldwyn puts on a bit of a show up front. Like he does a really good job until he's just straight up evil.
0: He's the first one to say, like, okay, like there's these steel reinforcements for, you know, because we're in a dangerous area. This is probably somebody pr- playing a prank. But then as soon as people's heads start exploding, he's the first one to be like, we need to kill everybody. Yeah. Which is a, a pretty big jump. Huge jump.
1: I want to go with a six. six. Yeah.
0: Six. Yeah. I had my finger on seven, but I think six is probably more. I don't know. They do kill. I'm
1: okay going seven. I like they, them quite a bit. They kill
0: 79 out of 80 people. So I, I'm going to think pretty seven. Good. Is, seven's warranted for that. Okay. We could do that. Let's talk about James Gunn's screenplay. It's
1: very simple.
0: Oh, it's super simple. <laughs>
1: it's it's uh, uh, I think something it, like James Gunn worked in an office for like one day and he was just like,
0: I got an idea. <laughs> like, fuck everybody in here. Well, apparently the trailer came to him in a dream and he's like, well, I got to write this movie. And it, the first draft only took him like a week.
1: Yeah, totally checks out. Because <laughs> not a whole lot happens here. He basically just like does screenwriting one hundred and one of just like establish this, uh, the the characters, establish the scenario, establish the location, and then go.
0: And then let everybody run wild.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's okay. Yeah, and it's super fucking basic. Even for there's like, nothing super and, memorable
0: uh, from the script itself.
1: No, there isn't. Four,
0: four. Ooh. Yeah. Four. We're going hard on this movie.
1: I am going hard on this movie for fucking loving it, which is, uh, I'm just being realistic.
0: It's true. Um, Style and tone. Like an eight, at least. Yeah, this thing is- I love the way this thing looked. it's, It's unique, for sure.
1: It is. It's really hard to put all of your characters in one space for this long, especially that many of them, and set up a geography and set up individual characters Yeah, and still have- memorable death scenes when you have to do it this many times. Right. I'm okay with an eight. Eight. It's way too high and
0: I don't give a damn. No, I I think it's warranted this time. Let's talk about the director, Greg McLean. He did a good job, man.
1: Again, putting all of your characters and this many especially into this enclosed space and trying to make it all work.
0: James Gunn was originally supposed to direct it, but uh, he was going through a divorce and decided he didn't want to spend the next couple months focusing solely on a, a, a murder movie. So he wanted to do something a little more positive with this time. That's probably
1: the right move. And Jenna Fisher does not deserve that. So that's, no.
0: that works. Oh, interesting. So he decided he wanted to write a movie about killing everybody in an office <laughs> while divorcing <laughs> Pam.
1: <laughs> How about that?
0: I just it came uh, to me in a dream connected those dots.
1: <laughs> if you're the judge, you make every person on that jury sit and watch this movie and go, "Who's getting the money?" <laughs> you tell me at this point,
0: James Gunn woke up in the middle of the night, cold sweat, like I have to kill the entire fucking office. <laughs> oh God, but anyway, Greg he, he McLean. does a good job. <laughs> Famous director Greg McLean, yeah, um seven.
1: I don't know. yeah, that's probably too high, but probably I like it enough.
0: He really hasn't done much since this, so I'm not gonna hold that against him. He did this. That's no, enough he for did me. It's good. Music. Uh Tyler Bates, obviously, because it's a James Gunn obviously. movie. Obviously. <laughs> um, I really like the the touch of using the Spanish versions of I will survive in California Dreaming. I thought that was great. Agreed. The score itself I I know nothing. I don't remember it at all. I don't know either.
1: And it, it feels like there's touches of like stuff from the Kingsman in here where you're trying to use a song to overlap this really harsh scene in front of you but it's like a song yeah. that you normally wouldn't think of being put there it's okay it's not tyler bates's best work i think no. i'm gonna go with like a four yeah yeah I, I don't know any other songs in this thing
0: exactly it's just those two songs that are that right. really next category box office this one's actually surprising it opened seventh the week it came out came out the same week as the live action beauty and the beast jesus how um Because Beauty and the Beast made all of the money that week.
1: That's true, but I never heard of this movie before we did this. Except for when I fell asleep while watching on Roku one time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, especially because like the the other movies that were out when it came out: Kong Skull Island, Logan, Get Out, Lego Batman, John Wick Chapter Two. I mean, this thing placed bangers against all these bangers. It made yeah. It made five point seven million its opening week. Uh, Four million of that was its opening weekend. Against a five million dollar budget, thanks to its low budget, it ended up making two hundred and twenty two percent. Its final Would gross was eleven million. Uh and two hundred and twenty two percent gives it an eight for box office, according to our current score.
1: Yeah, we're gonna figure that score out one day. We keep saying it. We keep we probably saying probably that, do but it. um
0: I don't know. I don't think it's it's that bad of a scoring system. We keep ending up in a in an okay place when comparing it to our Yeah, you're not Rotten wrong. Tomatoes. So, an eight for box office. And then the final category is impact on the industry. It's got to be I, real low. I, I or it could be real high,
1: depending on how you look at it, because you put bombs in the back of people's heads, and it's really <laughs> hard not to connect the dots between that and the suicide squad <laughs> with James Gunn.
0: Yeah, it just seems like James Gunn wanted to do that anyway. So,
1: yeah. Uh, it's got to be low to non existent.
0: Super low, if, if not nothing. Two. Two. Huh? That, I don't know, man. That feels generous. <laughs> Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought I saw the movie and hadn't, so. Yep. That that says something about the impact. Sure does. That is going to give the Belko experiment a total score of 57.
1: And that is a bullet dodged barely. Really? Because Rotten Tomatoes, this is a rotten movie. Okay. And it scored a 55%. The audience <laughs> score is 40%.
0: How do we keep doing it?
1: I don't know. That is
0: awfully damn close. Wow. I
1: almost wanted to give a
0: zero for impact. We would, have, we would have hit it.
1: We absolutely would have. And critics saw this movie. You got Dennis Harvey from Variety. He saw it and he said, as a self-aware guilty pleasure, the Belko experiment may not seize greatness, but it does give it a playful squeeze. It is squeezing greatness. It sure is. <laughs> I like it. I like this movie. I uh, do too. Donnie, very much in your element. Uh, big high five to you. And Brian. I guess the next question is, what's the next movie that the audience is bearing us for
0: next week? Well, next week we are going to be doing our Christmas special because tis the season. We put up a poll on Facebook and Twitter asking which movie of three you wanted us to cover in our drunken stupor of a Christmas special we'll be doing next week. And let me just preface it this way. We have fully fully
1: agreed and everybody who knows everybody listens and who's been with us for as many years we've been around knows we're not kidding no
0: no it's it's likely to be a shit show
1: (laughs) I canceled all my meetings for Thursday because we're recording this on a Wednesday just to be
0: safe I probably should do that
1: and we're going to be lubing up before we record the Christmas episode by talking about our Patreon episode which is the Kirk Cameron movie Saving Christmas and Brian I watched it last night oh no and I, I, I'm going to be going into whatever our Christmas episode is fully loaded. I
0: promise All right. you that. All right. Cool. <laughs> Sounds like crappy hour is is a good name for the, <laughs> what we're doing.
1: I'm glad I have days to figure out the silver lining on that movie <laughs> to follow our rule of not every movie is great. Not every movie could be crap, whatever it is. Right. Uh, Celebrate oh the, the bad. Oh, boy. Oh tearing boy. down the good.
0: It is a challenge, my friend. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to celebrate it somehow. <laughs> because that's what Jesus would want. We'll get yep. there. We will. Only on Patreon, though. The results of our poll. Uh, a Christmas story. 20% of you voted for a Christmas story. 25% of you voted for Home Alone. Uh, and then the overwhelming winner here was Christmas Vacation with 55% of the vote. So we will be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We will. The shitter's going to be full. It's going to be great. I can't wait. So, get out your Wally World commemorative glassware and get ready for us to nog you a movie. Nog you a
1: movie? Look at you!
0: Yeah, I've had that one in the chamber for a minute.
1: I could tell, man. The (laughs) smirk you had on your face.
0: Oh, sometimes they come to me in the moment. I still get the same smirk.
1: Like, I, I just wish that there was, like, a waiter in your apartment right now, just, like, coming to you with just a plate of shit. Because what your <laughs> yum, smirk was be described yum. as shit eating.
0: <laughs> uh, I tend to get very proud of myself when I make a good one. Shit, that is. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Uh, until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, join us on Patreon for Crappy Hour, and email us your questions and comments. Bear me a movie pod at gmail dot com. We did just recently get a message from from one of our patrons, and uh, you know who you are. We hear you. And uh, stay tuned. Follow us on social media, at Movie on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and at Pod on Twitter.
1: And starting in the new year, we're going to be doing a whole lot more with asking questions, getting questions from you guys week to yeah. week. It's really hard to do it right now during the holiday season. We're trying to squeeze in all these episodes to make sure that you get your good, good content every single Monday. That's always been the plan. It's always been the goal. And God damn it, do we deliver? <laughs> we certainly try to. We do, as best we can. Brian, you got anything else? That is it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll be blind drunk. I don't know how it's going to be yet. <laughs> I am so curious how this episode is going to ha- uh, go down. We might die. I hope not, but... I hope not, too, but that will be a good way to go.
0: Dude, you're getting a Dell.
1: <laughs> Smash it over your head. Perfect. <laughs> We're going to see you guys next week for our Christmas special, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We'll see you then.
0: Next week, come with me and you'll see a world of pure integration. We will see you
1: then.